0: Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog and I'm here with Adam Balderstone and we are talking about the last four episodes of Ab- of Babylon 5 season 2. Now, we were supposed to do two and I watched two and I just couldn't stop watching. Kind of like what happened last time, I think. And so as a result, we're talking about uh, Come the Inquisitor, or sorry, we're talking about Divided Loyalties, The Long Twilight Struggle, Comes the Inquisitor and The Fall of Night. Um it's a lot of episodes, and I find that when we watch a lot of episodes, they tend to blur more. So I think we'll be meandering a bit here and talking about the last thing in general. We'll probably try to do individual episodes a little bit, but I think we're going to be talking in broad strokes about the sort of developments over the season. So uh, so I guess, why don't we sort of start with the broad strokes? Just sort of, what, sure. what sort of has happened from episode 19 to
1: 22? Uh... Broad strokes, the, uh, the the Centauri have won the war against the Narn and not only won it, but utterly devastated the planet with mass drivers and destroyed every city they have. And, you know, this just completely crushed them. Uh, Jakar has been kicked off the uh, the council because he's no longer a planet for an ambassador anymore. But he's been issued sanctuary by Sheridan on Babylon 5 uh let's see talia uh, alita alexander showed up and uh she has uh revealed there was a traitor on board that turns out to be talia who was uh well she wasn't knowingly a traitor she had a a secret personality implanted in her that was a traitor that uh was awoken with a code word and uh also earth is uh Decided to make peace with the Centauri, and uh, basically let everyone else go as the Centauri widened their war to start conquering other people after taking out the Narn. I think those are most of the broad strokes. Well, there's what
0: There's one important stroke too. Um, Kosh oh. revealed himself.
1: Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's. I guess that's important. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> so so yeah so. I was, I was very hooked on these episodes after, after I got through episode 20, I, I had to keep watching. It was, it was, I tried to sit there for about 10 minutes and be disciplined about it. And then I just finished it. And then I was like, okay, we're, we're, you know, and, and I, and then I had to stop myself from watching the first episode of season three because I, you know, and that's, this show really does this well, at least the past two seasons have both been like this where the last four or five episodes i can't stop watching them and then i really want to find out the aftermath and so i i want to dive right into the next season um so yeah so with divided loyalties well first off i I guess the plot of this one it's kind of an interesting plot where like you were saying lita shows up and she's been part she's involved in some kind of mars resistance thing that's going on it sounds like and and she uh and she tells sheridan that look like one of your like somebody close to you most likely has been compromised as one of these sort of sleeper agents that the PsyCorp have created. And as soon as they hear this code word, they will be triggered and, and they will, you know, they'll be activated. And so what, what, what I would like to do is go through all of the most likely people and, and send the code word into their mind. And then that way we can trigger them and find out if it's, uh, if it's that person. And so, uh, it was i, I don't know what, what what's your what's your take on the episode before we get into everything cuz I, I just was curious how you felt about it
1: Honestly, I'd rather get your take first, because I'm watching it as someone that, you know, already knew the big twist at the okay. end. And okay. I know, like, all the background story about why she left the show and everything. So I, I, I can't, it's, I've got, I've got, a, I'm watching this episode, I had a lot of other stuff going on in my head. So Okay, I, I, okay, how about this? We'll you write later.
0: your response down on the paper, so we know you're not adjusting it to match mine, so that we... Can I will clear. not be adjusting okay. it, trust and, me. And, uh, and, and so, so here's my, my opinion. I, I really liked this episode. Um, mm-hmm. but the reason why I wanted yours is because I could see that this is an episode that people might not all be on the same page on. Um, but I liked, I, it just was a good episode. It wasn't like, uh, it, it, it wasn't, it, if, if this had been the episode that I ended on, I wouldn't have immediately gone to episode 20 the way I did after watching episode 20 and was like, I must watch the next episode but this yeah. was an episode where i really enjoyed the mystery and I, I i i i enjoyed the twist of oh no somebody aboard is is a traitor and <laughs> who's it going to be i thought that was yeah. exciting i, I kind of knew it was her i you know it was, it was it, it's funny i don't i've been avoiding spoilers but i'm getting like hints of spoilers around the periphery sometimes when i look things up for the, for for a given episode do you know what yeah I mean? so and you so,
1: saw hints she was a, a traitor. yeah i saw
0: hints i didn't see enough to know that definitively but i knew like at some point she was supposed to leave the show do you know what I mean i was like oh maybe this is the episode where she's gonna leave the show uh, yeah so yeah,
1: there's, there's one, one interesting thing i noticed as a rewatcher is there's so many shots in this show of talia looking into a mirror <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this recurring theme it's like she's like just thinking and staring into a mirror so it's like the two talias theme is there a lot <laughs> if you're looking for it but
0: uh, yeah but 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 yeah so i i enjoyed the plot um and it was just an mm-hmm. episode where sometimes when i'm watching an episode i will very consciously say yes i am enjoying this episode this is this is you know i'm sort of uh it, it just was a i don't know i just found it like a very sort of well done uh plot and uh you know and everything kind of came together for me and there weren't there wasn't anything that was annoying me terribly about it. So, yeah. I don't know. What was your take on it?
1: I, I like the episode. I think, I think it happens a little, a little more abruptly than I would have liked. But, uh, cause it, I mean, it, it, it basically, they did have to rush this because, because the character was leaving the show. This mm-hmm. was something that was supposed to happen. This, you know, I've, if you remember, I told you that, you know, he made an escape hatch for every character. Sinclair's escape hatch was going off and becoming head of the Rangers, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, this was Talia's escape hatch. You know, you can see it back in the first season. There's the episode where she deals with Kosh and he's recording her mind. Yeah. You know, he's recording her, her real personality because he's storing it in case, you know, she needs to be backed up later. And. Uh, because uh, he knows what's going on. No, they, and, uh, and they
0: mentioned that and they, they flash back to that sequence, I think in this episode. Um, yeah. and so, but I guess, you know, I don't know. Kosh must've lost the crystal or something. I do uh,
1: well, that, that's the question, I mean, I, because really we never see her again anyway, so it's possible maybe she does get restored somewhere else but never comes back to Babylon 5, but I don't know, it could happen off screen, we can go with that. But I,
0: I will say though, I was kind of pleased to see Lita back, I mean, I remembered her from, yeah. the, um, from the pilot, I don't know, was she in the first episode of season one or was she just in the pilot?
1: She was just in the pilot, that was okay. it, yeah. So she was I, I a don't familiar know.
0: face? And yeah. And, and and she's different enough from Talia. Like Talia, kind of has much more of a femme fatale type thing. And Lita's a little bit. I don't know. There's something, especially the way they had her now. I think she. I think they they they, they changed her a little bit too for 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 her return. Like she's been through some stuff. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I, I I I like the I like that it's a character that I'm familiar with, but it's a nice contrast. And you know these things gonna you know I, and, and my hope is that we at least have a, a psychic aboard the ship again. I, I don't know how things will pan out because I, one of my thoughts when this episode happened was, oh, well, does that mean we have no psychic now? Because um, that changes yeah. things dramatically for them. You know, like, they couldn't... The episode where they had to deal with Bester would have gone much yeah. differently without a psychic, so...
1: Um, <laughs> but it's, uh yeah, and it's interesting because now we have a psychic who's a renegade psychic as opposed to an uh, official psych or approved psychic. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, I mean... I guess my, my, my one issue with the episode, because it is a good episode, but I kind of wish they had had a little more breathing room. Because basically, you know, she wanted to leave the show because she felt she should be the star of the show. And, you know, she was only, only showing up in relevant plots. Why wasn't she in every episode and that kind of thing? And,
2: oh, so they, really? you know, so okay.
1: she, she decided to, she didn't want to be on the show anymore if she wasn't going to get more time next season. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so, you know, it's. It should have happened a little later in the show. and uh, I feel like the thing it hurt on the whole, it works. Mm-hmm. It's just the only thing it hurt was the uh, the fact that, you know, it means that they, they, you know, they were building up to their relationship with Ivanova clearly for episode, a few, you know, over the course of the season, and they had to have it happen and break within like yeah. minutes, basically. Well, which I'm like, and I, I wish, I wish they just had, a, you know, a couple more episodes to build that before that happened.
0: But they've been building it since the beginning, I think, because I remember when they first yeah. met, there was like, I remember I was asking you, I kept saying like, what's with that? Like there was something odd about it, but it wasn't like. You know, again, it was the '90s, and now that I've seen this episode where we have, like, like clearly, there's like a lesbian plot mm-hmm. between the two of them, and sure, and they and they have and they share a bed. We don't actually see anything. We don't see them kiss. We don't see them do anything except for like hold hands and get really close. But it's obvious what's going on, and uh, and especially in this period, like that's you know, you, you know, that's enough to sort of indicate what what the deal is. Um, but I feel like from the very beginning when they first met i remember getting like an odd sort of like oh that's you know that doesn't seem like a a a typical interaction between two two characters that aren't you know
1: aren't deeply
0: (laughs) involved aren't deeply involved in some way um yeah you know and, and so uh and then just just and it would crop up every now and then and i would be like oh that's interesting but they don't really seem to be going anywhere with it so maybe i'm just picking up on nothing i don't know uh, yeah. but uh, but but it's you know by this episode it's pretty. So I thought I thought that in terms of laying the groundwork, it was tremendous. I mean, mm-hmm. if it they was. Had, if they had waited longer, it would have been even more tremendous, I suppose. But to wait two years for a, a relationship to emerge and plant the oh, seeds of it—this
1: this was the right time for the relationship to come. I just felt like you know if they if they'd started the relationship here and then maybe oh, somewhere in the middle what you're of saying. next season had the reveal of her being the traitor. I felt like having both those things stuck in the same episode kind of, you know, I, I feel, I feel it would have worked a lot of, a little better. It's still a good episode. It's just kind of a, a, I, you I know, see what you're a nitpick kind of thing, you know, no, I think it, see what it, you're it saying. was out of, it, 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 you know, they did the best they could under the circumstances. And I think the episode is, it works well. And I mean, honestly, I mean, you know, it, it, it happening abruptly is kind of interesting because it, it is it is an unexpected person from outside the show showing up with informations. So the fact that it happens at this really inconvenient time almost makes a kind of plot sense for the Babylon 5 well, universe. Well, it so. upped,
0: it up it up the suspense quite a bit I think. But I do agree with you it, that like Ivanova had to process so many things this episode and you kind it kind, like a lot of stuff kind of got lost from the viewer's perspective in the mix because there was so much going on it was hard to keep track of it. And if we had had sort of one revelation, then had time for the, 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 the relationship to, to gather more meaning. And then, you know, I I agree with you, but, but still, I I thought it was a a good episode. And also we we learned that Ivanova is a latent telepath, which was really interesting to me because, uh, number one, her whole, like for two years. And I don't know, this was something where I'm like, well, have they been planning this from the beginning or do they add that in? Like
1: that plant the clues are there. I yeah. It's okay. like if you're looking it's is pretty clear.
0: <laughs> and I mean I mean it makes her behavior makes more sense in hindsight. The reason why I was wondering that is because it's a mo- it's like it's a brilliant thing because it, it clarifies so much of her backstory, it clarifies so many like her reactions made a certain amount of sense but she was a little bit extreme in terms of like well I'm never going to have a do you know what yeah. I mean like like cuz my mom died you know or my mom had a bad life I mean it it made sense but it still seemed like an overreaction but that that doesn't now it doesn't seem like an overreaction and so I was I w- I was I, w- I wanted to know if they had planned it because it, it it's either a genius move or it's like a retroactive sort of retcon you know, genius. No, or,
1: this is, uh, this was, this was in there. I okay, mean, you, so you're w- watching the show as a, as a rewatcher. It's, it's pretty clear. <laughs> okay. No, so
0: that, that's, I like that. I really like it. And, and if they planned it from the start, it's even got it, uh, like it gets more stars for me. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that, yeah. uh, that's the kind of thing that, you know, because a lot of times you'll get revelations like that, that in shows, but they'll lay they'll lay the groundwork too late. You see this all the time in Doctor Who. It's got it's one of my biggest issues with yes. Doctor Who, where it's like, okay, you couldn't have laid the groundwork eight months ago. You had to do it yesterday. I like that they <laughs> I like that they lay the groundwork and they think about it before it actually unfolds. It just kind of it kind of I don't know it 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 gives it a firmer foundation and. Uh, and it may and it makes me believe it more when it when it's revealed so you know it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's coming out of the blue um
2: yeah but yeah but yeah that was
0: that was a good move and that was an interesting that was an interesting twist in the character and also it added so much to the episode because that's like they have to they have to let the psychic get into the head and 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 give them the code but they have this complication that they can't let anybody find out Ivanova's a latent psychic, or they'll send her to Psychor. So it's a really interesting situation yeah. That unfolds.
1: Yeah, and 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 they can't be sure they can trust Lita because you know having having someone who's a psychic that re, that's a you know renegade psychic, and I'm here to help is exactly the kind of thing that Psychor would would do. So you know their their suspicion of her makes a lot of sense. But uh, I, I like the way they just had the thing of Garibaldi trusting her. He's just yeah. like, no, I, you know, it's like him being the suspicious guy going, no, I, I think Lita's on the level was, uh, was kind of a nice touch there.
0: And, uh, it's, uh, and just to move things along, because uh, we're on a, a tight schedule. Oh, time we time are time. on a tight schedule. Yeah, yeah um, we should uh, go on episode one. So we'll go to episode 20, which is the long Twilight struggle. And I don't know, why don't you give your, your rundown of the, the plot line here?
1: Yeah, this is this is one of the classic episodes of the show. I mean, this is the episode where the Narn Centauri war comes to a brutal end. The uh, the, the 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 Centauri not only win the war, they completely devastate the uh, planet using, you know, banned mass drivers to bombard the planet with meteors and just destroy every city on the planet. So, it's uh Pretty brutal we get it we get a really rough scene in the uh, council chambers where Londo has chikar kicked off the council because he's no longer the representative of the Narn and uh, yeah and we have another entire other plot line going on on top of that where uh, drawl shows up again played by a new uh,
0: actor I noticed
1: played by a new actor yeah yeah who I don't know. I, I think I, I kind of enjoyed the original draw a little more, but I yeah. do enjoy the the added hamminess of the new draw. Yeah, There's I like... was I was
0: torn because I really liked. I think I mentioned how I liked the old draw. There was something yeah. when, when we first met him. I really liked that guy, and then this guy shows up, and I'm like, I didn't even notice. Like he mentioned something about how I have my youth back or something. Like he clearly like they they, yeah. they wrote <laughs> they wrote the change into some of the dialogue, but. I didn't. I didn't quite pick up on that it was a different actor at first. But I'm like, why is he talking so funny? And why? Like, this isn't Draw. What's going on with Draw? What happened to Draw? But I guess, given the transformation that's taken place, this characterization I think could work over time for me. I, because I, the other the other character was so avuncular. Do you know what I mean? He was. Yeah. And and so that might be an odd fit for a guy who's like the heart of a planet. Um, <laughs> so this guy sort of all you know like both of them are Shakespearean in their own way, but this guy is, I don't know how to put it, but there's something going on with him that is (laughs) very forceful. And, and, and I, but I, I don't know what the right adjective is to describe it.
1: I'll I'll tell you what I was thinking of watching it last night. I, I was thinking, you know, the way he just pops up and he's got this really hammy personality. He just kind of shows up in, you know, in Sheridan's living room and, and you know, goes on stuff. I just, I, I felt like he's one of Samantha's relatives on Bewitched who just teleports into the living room and is like messing with messing okay. with her husband and stuff. I just, that was exactly what was going through my head. I'm like, that that was my impression of the performance. Which... Okay, that that
0: actually he does cut. Yeah, there is like a there is that period of of TV quality to his personality. Yeah, he does. Like I, I can imagine an actor plucked from that era performing the way he did so I, I i think i see what you're saying um and also just the fact that he, he sort of teleports into view like that uh um, yeah or yeah. not teleport but for i don't know what's going on with them exactly
1: well but, yeah projecting is the better term than uh teleporting but uh yeah another notable uh actor too we had w morgan shepherd back on this one and he uh he was he's also he, he was the one who plays uh Jakar's uncle on the episode and uh he's he was also the guy that played the soul hunter in uh the second episode of the series oh, but,
0: okay okay but, yeah. he was good he, I, th- I remember thinking that he was uh he's great yeah, yeah he was I was like that is a convincing whatever you know <laughs> alien leadership guy you know like yeah that was, yeah
1: but, but I, I I meant I I didn't bring this up during the soul hunter episode because I got distracted but uh he's he's notable because this is my own research not a list on the internet but as far as i can find he is you know the only actor well sorry, one of only two actors who's been on babylon 5 star trek and doctor who so that's uh some pretty good and his son was on doctor who and firefly so that family has some pretty uh pretty impressive sci-fi credentials. But yeah, David Warner is the, uh, only other actor I can find who was on all three series, but, uh,
0: okay. Yeah, no, it's it, it, he would, he was, uh, that scene between him and Jakar was, I, I liked sort of, it, we kind of got both sides. We got like the, the, uh, the Narn sort of plotting about what they're going to do. And then we got, the yeah. Atari. And so it was really nice to see both of them. It, this episode overall had a nice epic feel, you get, you know, you, I, I think this is the one where you see, uh, you see Lando on the on the battle cruiser as it. That is the know, one, yeah, yeah That iconic shot. That was surprisingly <laughs> well done for a show like this. Jim, mean, you don't normally see, you know, there were bits of it that I, I could see, oh, that's a little rough. But but once they got in the ship and they had the behind them, it, that was I thought that was pretty impressive, and I'm also starting to sense. Did they do something to Londo's makeup or something to make him look different now? Because he seems darker. It doesn't just seem like he's acting darker. He
1: is. He is darker. Well, what's interesting, actually, I don't know if you noticed, but, you know, about a third of the way through the season, he went from wearing his purple coat to wearing a black coat all the time.
0: Okay. I didn't notice that, but I I noticed this episode, boy, he looks darker to me for some reason. Like, something's in it, and it's not just his demeanor. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, it's an interesting choice because he's been wearing black all season. And then the scene in the council chamber where he kicks out Jakar is just being completely hateful. You know, he's just kind of got this, his, his, you know... (laughs) Angry mask on that he, he he has when he has to do something really atrocious. Yeah. You know he's got during that scene he's wearing the purple coat again. I'm like wow that, okay. well, that's a weird choice. That's a really weird choice. They're bringing out they're bringing out drunk happy Londo's coat again here okay. for this yeah. scene of all of all the scenes.
0: <laughs> that's interesting because in that scene that was I was like this does not see. Maybe they were trying to remind you of who Londo was because I remember thinking I think
1: so. And I, I didn't so. notice
0: the coat actually. I, I had no idea that they had the coat like that but i was thinking this is not londo this is like a different character almost like it's still londo i believe it but like he is yeah. becoming a different person um and uh, or he's revealing a side of himself we haven't seen uh and i i find it i find it interesting i'm um uh yeah. It's, yeah it's 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 frightening it's like to, yeah to he's change a character like that in that <laughs> way and it's done it i mean a lot of shows do try to do that like i've you sort of seen the you know, is the good guy really an evil man or is this, you know, like how far down that road can someone go something about the way they're doing it here where he goes from being this lovable, like almost like a Rodney Dangerfield type character to being so sinister and like, you know, and like, I know I compared him to Mussolini last episode, but now I'm thinking this guy's way more like Hitler. Like this is, you know, like he's getting into that territory. He's getting into like, he's enslaving people and he is, you know, uh, and and, and yet, he's still a character that we are supposed to like on the show to a degree. He still has these occasional moments. And, and this episode didn't give you that. They didn't give you those moments. I don't, I, don't, I don't remember. There were a couple of scenes where you saw doubt. But I don't really remember there being any, any scenes of levity with Londo.
1: Uh, no, is, there aren't, and I mean it's it's yeah it's it's you know like you said the scenes of doubt you get are only when he's talking to other Centauri. Every time he's talking to someone, it's not a Centauri. He has that mask on. He yeah. is he is exactly what he needs to be as the strong Narn, a uh, strong Centauri who's going to, you know, bring that bring the Republic back to glory. So you know he he never never lets that mass slip in public but I, but I do like the scene i'm skipping ahead a couple episodes once again meandering because so i think it's relevant i i like the scene with sinclair and garibaldi talking about londo and what's going on with him and garibaldi's line about how it's like you know when you can still see this fear in his eyes. Like he knows, he knows that things are are spinning out of control. And it's like he's doing all this stuff, but there, you you do kind of see that in his performance. There's just it's like he has to be so forceful because he, he because he isn't sure, not because he is. You know. Well, and
0: he and he expresses doubt specifically about the shadow people.
1: To uh, yeah. Uh, to to uh,
0: what's his name? Rifa. Lord uh, Rifa, yes. And uh and so you know it's.
2: It,
0: uh, number one i think it's interesting that he he's the one pointing out to rifa that look we have to do this on our own if we're gonna do it um yeah that makes me think londo might actually be in a better position in terms of competence and ability than rifa do you know what i mean like like i feel yeah. like i feel like if because i mean obviously there's a chess game going on and i know they're allies now but in any situation like this you know, they could easily become each other's enemies or thwart each other or, you know, one of them might want to become emperor and the other one might want as well. And I sus- I mean, obviously, I'm operating a little bit with the prequel knowledge that I have.
1: Well, but- you're also operating with the fact that we've got we've got Londo's vision of being the emperor. Yeah. I mean, he's clearly playing towards yeah. that vision. And, and we have... Rifa very possessively puts, you know, patting the throne in the first scene of this yeah. episode. So we know, we know that both of them have their eye on yeah. the throne.
0: But, but I think that line to me revealed that Londo is the superior chess player. Um, because yeah. you can't, you can't, you can't do it by just relying on the shadow people. Um, you know, yeah. you, you, it, because then you're, 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 you're a you, puppet. You're, you're a, <laughs> you're a puppet and your empire is entirely dependent on, 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 the whims of the shadow people. And, and you're really just not, you're not, there, there's always that question of, could you even build that empire in the first place without the help of this vast, you know, evil power that you, yeah. that you've tapped into. And, uh, and so Rifa doesn't seem to understand that. I think Londo gets that. Um, but again, I think the striking thing in this episode, all, all the episodes up to now, we've gotten the dark and the light with Londo. We've gotten some, uh, not all of them, but uh, at, during the course of his dark arc, we've we've gotten sort of we've gotten to see the bad, but we've always it's always seems like it's been balanced with him talking about opera with veer or <laughs> you know, you know going on about bravari wine or whatever it is. And this episode it just didn't give you that and I and that absence was really like it had an impact. like I really think they did that deliberately. like they pulled that out and they only let you see the bad. and you, you kind of you almost felt a little bit guilty. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's it, it's true, and it, it comes down to the fact that I mean this this is the first Londo episode we've had since Knives where he killed one of his best friends, so it's like the fact that there is this shift in his personality makes sense too. He's done something, you know, really really extreme, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's uh, so yeah, I I, I feel I, it works, and uh, yeah, it's interesting too. As far as Lando's transformation goes, it seems on one level that the great machine plot would draw and the, the Narn Centauri plot are completely separate. Mm-hmm. But watching it, I was thinking thematically... The original great machine episode in the first season where they you know the voice a voice in the wilderness where they go down to the planet Londo was one of the people the machine picked that could have been in the position that drawl took you know he was he was offered mm. that position you know That's it was true. like yeah and so the point being that if drawl hadn't taken that position, that was like Londo's last chance to be on the, be one of the good guys. It's like there's kind of an alternate universe where Londo takes that job and he's the drawl guy coming up and offering, you know, the job but it didn't well, happen that way.
0: But it's also interesting because that experience awakened something in Londo and it
1: arguably
0: might be partly responsible for what's going on now. And so you yeah. have to wonder Drawl knowing I mean Drawl went down there with him. He maybe has an idea. I don't know, because he he mentioned that he could sort of see. He's been spying on the universe, it sounds like. So I think he probably knows what's going on with Londo. Um, Oh, sure.
1: Oh, sure. Draw draw those. Yeah, my point just was was really more that, you know, it's, you know, as as a rewatcher, watching that A Voice in the Wilderness scene, you think, man, you know, I kind of wish... I you know it's nice that Draw got over his depression and everything, but I, I kind of wish Lando got that job and yeah. didn't go down this dark path. You know, you kind of like come on, Draw, you could have gotten through your funk some other way. Let let Lando have it.
0: But, but I guess what I'm wondering is that why Drawl offered the alliance with him because you know, he, or with with Babylon Five because.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously, yeah, the shadow, I mean, you know, the Centauri or shadow puppets have flat out wiped out, um, you know, wiped out another civilization at this point. It's the point where, yeah, we're, it's time, you know, we've been waiting for time and it's time.
0: We, we have to keep moving, unfortunately, but this was a great episode. This was this episode made me just keep watching the season from this point on. Um, And it had so much drama and so many change ups that didn't feel chaotic or unpredicted. You know what I mean? They felt like they flowed. Um, And just the, you know, there is one great moment between Londo and Jakar when Jakar is kicked off of the council because he's, he's a member of the Kari and basically like all the Kari have to stand trial for war crimes. And, you know, and luckily for Jakar, he went to very reluctantly at the order of his own people. He went to, uh, to, to Sheridan and asked for sanctuary and uh and received it and so uh it, it, you know number one that that at least gives us the opportunity to preserve some of the dynamics in the show into the next season yeah but yeah but it's an interesting development because it allows for that scene where where I mean londo is just like viciously demanding all these things including that Jakar basically stand trial and and you know up until now there's you sort of you sort of had the hope in the back of your mind that there was that there were that they that they hated each other for political reasons, but there was some do you <laughs> know what I mean? There was something yeah. there. But this was like cold blooded. Um,
1: yeah it was and it's yeah i mean you're right that it's it's a development that helps preserve the show but i th- i feel like it's a good it's a good way of preserving the dynamic of the show but it also just made sense you know it's it, like it worked in both respects
0: and i feel like unlike the situation with his friend where he was conflicted i feel like this was londo doing what he wanted to do
1: yeah uh, he he hate you yeah, know that was yeah. that was just hatred of jakar there he Cause he definitely
0: pro I don't think like Rifa wasn't going to let him interfere with, um, I forget the guy's name, but his friend that was put on trial for treason or whatever. Um, he wasn't going to let him interfere with that, but I don't think he would have cared if, you know, he said, yeah, you know, this, this Narn is useful. Let's keep him alive and happy on Babylon five. He probably Uh could have protected Jakar. I think, um, yeah, I I think it at least seemed possible to me. Um, And we definitely saw no evidence of him trying to defend Jakar before all this went down. So no,
1: um, no, he's he's, Jakar, Jakar. I'm sorry. Londo was not crazy about devastating an entire planet with mass drivers, but kicking, kicking Jakar off and having him arrested and put on trial. He was fine with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, and that is a good point. Rifa was the one who, who had the plan of bombarding the planet in this way. And, 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 And Londo did express doubts, Um, though his doubts he expressed where it's too early. um, Yeah. It was was unclear. I I got the impression that he was using that as the reason to give to Rifa, but that he didn't want to bombard the planet.
1: Um, Well, he also gave the excuse, too, that mass drivers are this banned weapon and we've got treaties and things. He He did kind of rely on that a bit, too. He wasn't comfortable using the mass drivers under any circumstances.
0: And and it's funny because mass drivers have kind of flown under my radar a little bit. I remember them coming up during an episode where like the... uh, There was that, that other conflict where
1: the, the being, news episode yeah. was the one where the they were smuggling mass drivers. Which was what was the accusation that Jakar was making there? So they yeah. were kind of setting up that they were moving their mass drivers into position. But it doesn't
0: sound like a weapon to me. Do you mean, know, a mass driver sounds like an engine or something. So oh, so it's it, a
1: thing in science fiction. Yeah. I I've encountered that before. It's okay. uh, I mean a lot of science. Yeah, I mean. Science fiction war games too like to use them as weapons for attacking things, but uh, yeah. What is a mass
0: driver supposed to be? Because I'm not I'm not familiar with the term.
1: Oh, it's basically kind of a magnetically propelled thing that like shoots. You basically use magnetism to like fire an asteroid. So you know basically basically they're they're doing the equivalent of building the Gulf of Mexico with a with an asteroid over and over on on. on, on. Okay,
0: all right, that makes sense.
1: (laughs) I can see why it's so devastating.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. For some reason, the na- the term, just sort of flew under my radar. Yeah, um,
1: it is, you're right that it is a very, it's a very inside science fiction nerdy mm-hmm. term. and They never really explain what it is, and they mm-hmm. probably, they probably should have because it is a, it is just one of the most terrifying weapons in science fiction that, that you can have. That mm-hmm. they never explain it. So.
0: so so I guess you know again we're, we're on a clock so I'm going to move to the next yep. episode but I think we both agree that was a really solid episode.
1: Oh so yeah what th- the best <laughs> This one is Comes the
0: Inquisitor and I would like to hear your opinion of it first and then your recap of it and then I'll give my opinion.
1: Uh yeah Comes the Inquisitor is the uh has, is the episode where uh um Delenn is tested to see if she's worthy to have the position that she will in the uh you know, that the the the, the, uh, the the Vorlons want her to fulfill. And, and uh, it and they, you know, a certain tester, a human tester, shows up with Victorian clothing. It's very ominous. And uh, I, I, on the whole, end up liking this episode. I mean, I, you know, it, it's one of the things. The testing at first, I'm not, not entirely into it. But I, I feel overall it becomes kind of interesting. But, uh, my, I mean, honestly, my favorite part of the episode is the scene with Jakar and Veer in an elevator. That is one of the, that is one of the, yeah. my favorite scenes in the show. That is That was just, a good
0: scene. That was a very just, good scene. The most yeah. awkward elevator ride in the universe. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's a really, really powerful scene for both Jakar and Veer. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, yeah, both characters come off great in that scene. But, uh... But yeah, so the, the, the highlight is just this random elevator scene for me. But uh, you know, I, I like the episode on the whole. I don't know what were your feelings.
0: So, so this episode surprised me a lot in a lot of different ways. And I think first, number one, it's very '90s. Like this is like the one of the this is one of the <laughs> this was the most '90s episode out of the, all four that we watched. And okay. Part of the reason is you know, in the '90s, having the Victorian guy on the spaceship sort of was something that you, you know what I mean? That was like a thing (laughs) that would make sense. And, and also the messianic, I mean, I know like, you know, plenty of messianic plots in science fiction. Dune, you know, has messianic plot, but something about the messianic plot here felt very nineties to me. Um, and, and the emphasis on the way the inquisitor was operating just seemed like a nineties concern. I don't know if that makes any sense, but Mm -hmm. just sort of like his, his preoccupations, Seem like things that we would have been very critical of in the '90s that people aren't maybe as worried about these days. Um, Yeah, and and so, but I think the most surprising thing is he was Jack the Ripper, and you know (laughs) they gave us a date, so it should have been it probably should have been more obvious to me because I think we got the date, we got an address, we got all kinds of things before we uh uh
1: the big reveal at the end. Yeah, yeah,
0: but. For some reason, I just would have never thought Jack the Ripper. Like I was like, who is this guy? Number one, they put Inquisitor in my head, so I'm thinking Inquisitor. Like who is an Inquisitor from like that? That that it wasn't registering. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't I wasn't able to like draw on an immediate historical figure that seemed like an Inquisitor to me. Do you know? I just it just was. I was struggling to do it, and I the so here's the thing I like in, in Star Trek, they you know they go back in history, and who do they bring back? They bring back like. Hal Holbrook's Mark Twain, right? And so Babylon <laughs> Five brings Jack the Ripper. Ripper and there's something. There's a really great <laughs> contrast in that that tells you a lot about the two different shows. And, yeah, and well, and oh, and the guy playing Jack the Ripper was like so like into the role. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah, it was. Yeah, like, he was good. It, it was. I mean, it was very over the top, but it was it was effective. And 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 you just got this sense that something wasn't right about this Victorian guy on the ship the whole time. And him being Jack the Ripper was like the one explanation that, that like felt like it made sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I was like, okay, like that's like, that explanation is weird as it sounds. It actually, it actually makes a certain amount of sense that the Vorlons got Jack the Ripper and have been like punishing him for, you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> like it, I, 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 that's... I, I kind of liked it. And it also made his behavior make sense because I'm like, how like why are the Vorlons unleashing this horrible man on Delenn? Like wh- what is going on? Um it seemed out of character for the Vorlons. It seemed out of character for the time like there's a Victorian guy. It, it was just everything was all off. And and I liked yeah. how it brought it all together with him being Jack the Ripper and um and also I liked I a lot of times you'll get these scenes where they're whittling away at a person's will, and they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get it, uh, um, at at uh, at some conclusion or or information that's supposed to impress the audience. And I liked where they went with it. I liked what the I liked yeah, the answer I, that he was looking for.
1: I I yeah, I think like I said I I you know early on. I, I guess my issue early on is that. The, I feel like Delenn would have been better equipped to deal with these kind of philosophical questions early on and they make her. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, that she, she you know, I, I feel like she's completely caught off guard by this, you know, by this kind of philosophical in, inquiry. And it's like, that should be like Delenn's bread and butter. But uh, it, Yeah, I, I
0: get I get, And there was a point where she says she doesn't know the rules. How can she do it without knowing the rules of the game? And like, so. I, yeah, I, I, I do sort of agree with you. because I, think I, I don't think that she should have necessarily given the right answer, but I don't think she should have been giving such horribly wrong answers. That's
1: my point. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I feel like she, you know, I feel like her canned answers, you know, she should have given canned answers early on. That would have been fine. They should have just been, you know, you know, a little deeper than, but, you know. But it's not, you know, it, it ultimately goes in a good direction.
0: But, but I like the premise. She's basically being interrogated because she believes she's the chosen one. And he's got these yeah. manacles that like give her some kind of electric jolt. And at a certain point, he's going to jolt her so much that her heart just can't take it anymore. And so the idea is, and so he it's stated explicitly in the dialogue. He says, if you believe you are the chosen, you must risk everything on the premise that the universe will not let you die. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and he's used that logic to kill a lot of people. One of the things that I'm I'm sort of wondering about though is: are the Vorlons really punishing Jack the Ripper? They are they are letting him <laughs> yeah. with impunity murder messiahs <laughs> at various points in history over and over again. In in you know, it seems like that's what Jack the Ripper would probably want. I mean, I know that they threw in yeah. this bit about Jack the Ripper really thinking he was doing god's work and now that he realizes the error of his ways he but he was enjoying himself
1: yeah it makes you wonder about the vorlons and it's it's interesting the contrast too because in season one we get the agent of the shadow shows up and he's a friendly guy who goes around and asks people what do you want and then we get then now we get our first vorlon agent and human agent and he's a guy his question is who are you and he's like this this contemptuous torturing person so it's like it's just it's just kind of kind of an intriguing contrast there that seems to be set up
0: no it was it was it was a very and and the thing is i can totally see some people will watch this episode and give it an f like some people are not going to be happy with this episode um but i i i I liked it i thought it surprised me in so many ways and i thought that the 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 thing that really threw me off is the Inquisitor is so, like, righteous and, like, you know, just, he's just, like, you know, he's just so filled with, with this sense that, you know, that, that, that he's morally superior to everybody. And I guess that wasn't how I imagined Jack the Ripper. So I never made, there was never thing that would have made me make that connection. Do you know what I mean? I just think of Jack the Ripper as a, as a crazy guy who murdered people and, you know, sent body parts in the mail. And, uh, <laughs> but they sort of took the from hell thing and turned it into a whole other thing. And, yeah, and so, yeah. and again, and again, very 90s because you know the, I remember there was a book about Jack the Ripper coming to New York in the 90s. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, I think it was written by. I know the guy had Caleb in his name. I can't remember the rest of his name, but but it was like a big book in the 90s. Uh, yeah, like, uh, of what, the
1: other other Jack the Ripper Jack the Ripper reference I would make here would be Time After Time, where Malcolm McDowell plays HG Wells tracking uh, Jack the Ripper through a modern day uh los angeles i think it was but now, uh
0: <laughs> now after the podcast i have to ask you a question about that because there's a time travel movie that i saw when i was a kid and i'm trying to i've been trying to track down which one it is and yeah. i'm wondering if that might be it but there, i don't want to derail the podcast talking about uh, it. i think it david
1: ward david warner who i mentioned earlier played jack the ripper so
0: <laughs> okay. um but yeah, so, so Anyways, I, I, I like the episode, um, but we should move on because it's almost eleven. We to need the block, to move so, on. Um, yeah. So on to episode twenty-two, the fall of night. Now this is one yep. where uh, the Ministry of Peace sends its people up to the to Babylon Five. And they send a, and, and I guess the Ministry of Peace has their their uh, whoever's in charge of the Night Watch is also uh, with this guy, and they're they're basically trying to create a peace treaty between the centauri and the humans and
1: uh, yeah you know, but we things... don't find out right away we, you know we, we have the impression there is here to investigate the centauri matter and the Babel, people on Babylon five all interpret that the opposite way to well, what they actually mean
0: <laughs> and i think they did a good job with that and i think the reason why is they because, did because the guy i forget his name but uh lance was that his name yeah yeah that's and, and, it and by the way, I looked up the guy who played him, and he died in October. So, G- granted, he was curse. quite old; he was ninety-four. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, uh,
1: yeah, he was so, pretty old yeah. in that—not ancient in that episode, but definitely so you old. Probably, you
0: probably can't chalk it up to the Babylon Five curse, I'm guessing, when you when it's past a certain age. But, um, but, anyways, the uh, I, he was so nice, and he was so yeah i think character. he was
1: genuine yeah. he was a genuine guy yeah they, like, i thought he used...
0: believed what he was saying he wasn't yeah uh, that's that was sort of the curveball because i you hear you know ministry of peace you're thinking 1984 and i'm expecting i was expecting like the guy who was in charge of the night watch to be the leader of the group do you know what i mean like that's yeah. what i was expecting but instead well, we get this guy who's like well finally no peace like he's clearly misguided in 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 what he's doing here but he's sincere uh, and, he, and it's and I don't I, at least that's what it seemed to me he seemed to be very sincere. And I don't yeah. think I don't think he was out to harm anybody. Whereas that Nightwatch guy, <laughs> that that's guy. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was an utter creep. Um, he, he Yeah.
1: And it's it makes it makes Earth the Earth Force evil conspiracy seem smarter, too, because it's like they it's like they've appointed Lance in this position because he is going to do the evil thing for completely the right reasons. So it's like it just makes them look like, yeah, well, let's put this guy in this position. He'll do it. He'll do it willingly and he'll do it with conviction.
2: (laughs) And that's an
0: interesting point, because in the previous episode, Lanier says something about doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And, yeah. And how that's what the Inquisition is all about. And I didn't even realize, yeah, this is maybe sort of an inversion of that, where you have a guy We're doing the, the wrong thing for the right reasons. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was, this, this was a very gripping episode, I thought. I, 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 was, I was really sort of, there was a lot going on. It was interesting, too, because it wasn't enormous. It, it had a similar climax, I think, to the last season, in, in a way. But uh-huh. that was almost not even the climax of the episode. Do you know what I mean? Like there was the there's the standoff between the um, yeah, the,
1: that's kind like of a false climax. You think it, you think the Centauri warship being blown up is the climax of the episode, but but nope,
0: <laughs> no, it's not, and, and it was so much more interesting as a result because all this stuff happened and it was I was I was engaged, but I wasn't sort of waiting for this one big beat that just sort of do you know what I mean? There was. Yeah, it it, it was it was I thought it was a very well written episode. And I and I love that the you know, we get that reveal of Kosh at the end. Um, So I know I'm glossing over a lot of stuff, but but basically the, the the big thing is there's this huge showdown between the Centauri and the and the this this Narn battle cruiser shows up that's been drifting in space, I think, because they were damaged. But they they yeah, they they're and they're like the lone surviving Narn cruiser. And they ask sheridan for sanctuary and he gives it but he has to keep it secret and this thre- imperils the treaty because of what's going on with the night watch this information <laughs> that you know it's funny because i've never worried about this i never I, I and they've been hinting at it forever like we've been seeing everybody wearing those armbands and we never yeah. really thought about all the people in the background at the helm of the ship that are listening to sheridan's orders and maybe transferring that information to people and so yeah. And so through that channel, Londo eventually learns about it and the Centauri send their own ship to deal with the Narn. And Sheridan kind of does what Sinclair did at a point in the last season, I think around the same point, where he he sends out their, their fighters to, 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 to sort of deal with the threat and protect the Narn cruiser, except this time it's not a bluff on the part of the Centauri. I think last time it was a bluff. And Sinclair called the bluff, if I remember. And this yeah. time they are not bluffing, and they start opening fire. Like they mean business here, and uh, and we ha- we have an actual conflict, which which is is somewhat resolved by uh, Sheridan. I, I think he basically blows them up, right? He, he
1: he blows up the Centauri ship, and the Narn ship gets away, yeah. which. It's technically a victory, but the whole thing, the whole thing is so complicated that it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, the episode doesn't feel like a complete victory at that point. It's just kind of a grudging, yeah, we, yeah. we got through something kind of thing. Well,
0: and also, also there's, there, there, there's an important subplot, I think with, uh, I forget the guy's name, but one of the Starship fighter pilots uh, is looking for the shadow people in the, yeah, in the he's right. in the escort crew and they, and so, you know, so there's that thread too, but. The 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 other things I don't I don't think that Sheridan was trying to destroy the Centauri battle cruiser. I think he uh, was just trying to stop it, and because because it, it seemed like they were trying to get it to the point where they disabled it, and then it just there was not it just kind of spiraled out of control.
1: Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's the fact that the Centauri were actively firing on Babylon Five. You know, they had to respond with significant force. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it would have been one thing if it was. Them intervening between, you know, the two other ships fighting, but nope, it, it was a, a real battle for survival there. And,
0: and then Lance comes to the helm and is like, "What are you doing? The treaty, the treaty." And uh, yeah. And so and so, but I love the way it was resolved. The the, the really slimy head of the Night Watch basically kind of takes Sheridan's side in a odd way. Yeah. It was yeah. very interesting. I was not expecting that guy is so adaptable, and he's so, like. He's insidious because because uh-huh. because a normal villain like that would just try to use that opportunity to destroy Sheridan. But any I'll well, oh, go right. ahead.
1: It's like he almost is trying to destroy Sheridan by having Sheridan go up and give this speech. It's kind of like a way of, hey, he's going to give the speech and that'll destroy his credibility for, his, you know, his, for, you know, it's like it'll show he's on our side and people won't trust him who are on other sides and could, so on. You know?
0: But the thing is, he could have made it much worse. He could, I mean, he could have probably oh, yeah, easily he could have. arranged for Sheridan to be executed or whatever. And also, I felt like he was paving the way to have a relationship with Sheridan so that he can use him in the future. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that's if I'm this guy, that's what I'm thinking. Like you know, this is salvageable. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, so because I I think that's the way he operates. He doesn't he doesn't discard useful resources. This guy, I think he. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so I was yeah. impressed by that scene for for those reasons. Um, yeah,
1: and, well, it fits, it fits with the fact that, like I said, Lance Lance generally seems to be a good guy trying to do a good thing, and this guy, this this, this mini packs guy can, he, the the Night Watch guy, he, he's, he has no problem working with someone like that. That's great. I can use this guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And so, uh, and so, it so, so then, but the but the big climax of the episode is when, uh, so so number one, Sheridan's rehearsing his speech which you know he's yeah. you know, they give him the freedom to, to word it himself so he comes up with some creative wordings i don't i don't think that he would have actually i don't think those would no. have passed muster but at well, least, I, think, I
1: think that may have just been him cathartically he, getting his yeah. feelings out before giving his real speech yeah. but you know who knows
0: but as he's on his way to deliver the speech a centauri gets on the subway train with him and by the way i love that babylon five has subway trains i think that's a really nice touch and, yeah. we, and there's another nice thing that happens here too where he puts a bomb on the train everybody gets off sheridan sees the bomb and he tries to jump out of the cart the bomb explodes and because babylon 5 is spinning he doesn't just plummet to the ground he's sort of stuck in the <laughs> uh in the ground but he's still moving at enough speed that he's going to die if he if he if he lands it's, And so yeah and so there's they can't get anybody up to him soon enough so Delenn convinces Kosh, like, if you're going to do something, like, now is the time. <laughs> and so Kosh gets out of his suit, and everybody sees something different. Some people, but it's all some variation on an angel, obviously. Like, everybody's yeah. seeing an angelic being. see a religious
1: name. figure of light, yes.
0: And, and it's clear that every alien race seems to have this kind of creature in their pantheon, because they all call it by a different name, except for Londo, who sees nothing? Um, yeah, or, or says well, he sees nothing. We don't know. Maybe he saw something and he doesn't want to say. But
1: yeah, Oh well, exactly. I, you know, because I mean, that that's the question. Maybe, maybe because of his situation, he did see nothing. But I, I feel like it's more likely that he did see some. Religious figure of light from the Centauri pantheon, and the last thing he wants—he's not going to admit that. Wow, you know, because for him it's the—if re- if he did see this figure of light, it's just revelation that yeah, yeah, dude, you—you're on the side of the demons.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: You are—you are damned, as the emperor said. Well, you know. And,
0: and when—and when they asked him, Londo, what did you? Because there was a scene at the bar where everybody's saying what they saw, and it's just like a bunch of people. Number one, Londo really needs to up his security, given because he's just hanging out in the bar next to, <laughs> next to like Narns and stuff. And I mean, I, I don't know. Was it, There was a Narn in that scene, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, there was. Yeah. He was talking yeah. about having seen Jalan. And I, he's I, like, yes, it was Jalan, which is, which is the religious figure that Natal talks about. I,
0: I don't think but, it's wise for Londo to just hang out in a bar like that given that he just blew up the Narn home world. Um,
1: you know, yeah, that's not true. Not blew it up,
0: but boom. That's true. But, uh, uh, you know. but but that aside when he says when they ask him londo what did you see and he says i saw nothing there was this knowing he knew the significance of what of the experience clearly like whether he saw nothing or whether he saw something he didn't say anything he understood what had just happened do you know what i mean like there was yeah there was a a recognition
1: (laughs) so yeah no that's that's yeah an impressive scene there and uh yeah, it's, it's it, it, I mean, once again, it, you've, you've been you've been guessing this for, I don't know, maybe even since last season, this has been on your mind, I think. And uh, so, yeah, your prediction was was accurate. Well, and you again, were, I think childhood's end is what really steered me towards that. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, it's totally childhood's end. I mean. And they, and they hinted at it too in the episode before with Jack the Ripper that the Vorlons have visited Earth in the past. Yeah. You know, of course, you know we've been there. We've been so it's like we know that the Vorlons have been, you know, meddling on all the other planets quietly at the same time that they've been this reclusive race that doesn't talk to anyone. They're they're doing stuff.
2: <laughs> so yeah,
0: so it's it's I think I think it's it's definitely it's definitely. Uh, I, I am fully interested in, in what's going on and i'm I so want to see season three now uh, yeah it, 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 <laughs> you know this was this was a very good finale and it was good because it wasn't like like it kind of it kind of surprised me with the sort of vaguely reminiscent climax of the, I think the previous season. I could be getting, it might not have been the actual climax, but it felt like something I saw in the last season and uh, and then it kind of went in a it continued it had an epilogue that became its own thing.
1: Uh, yeah, Vondava's yeah. uh, little uh, monologue there at the end closes out the whole season, mm-hmm. which was a nice touch, I thought.
0: And uh, yeah, and what did she? Do you remember what she said in that? Uh...
1: <laughs> I'm trying to get the wording right. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, that was that was very late into the night. Uh, yeah, it's such a it's such a crucial thing, and I'm drawing a blank. But yeah, I mean, she explains about how the war uh starts to widen with the centauri she and then talks about how there's the the more personal war that happens where we see the night watch you know closing down that store that uh zach verified the information on where that guy's been charged with sedition (laughs) so that's you know so that brings up basically there's going to be yeah it's like stuff with earth is going to get worse
0: and I think I did have a line I wrote down that said, sometimes peace is another word for surrender. Was that something she oh, said during yes, that,
1: that, that was Oh, yes. That was part of it, yes.
0: Okay, I couldn't remember if that came earlier or if it came at that moment, so...
1: Um, Yeah, yeah. The other crucial thing she says is, you know, the Babylon 5 was created to bring peace and, you know, it it failed.
0: (laughs) No, I mean, now it's looking like Babylon 5 might become an independent state, like, if they're to do uh what they want to do. Like, I mean, I, you know, they have a planet on their side. If they can get Franklin's father on board, maybe they have something that they can work with. Do you know what I mean? Not that, you know, Franklin's father's pretty loyal, though, so I don't know. I don't know how he's going to feel. That was what I was thinking is, what is Franklin's father going to do? If Babylon <laughs> 5 goes rogue, do you know what I mean? That's going to be an interesting conflict between those characters. Um,
1: but it's uh, – yeah, and it's uh, – the uh, I mean, another thing, too, we, we forgot to mention, too, is we haven't just had the alliance with the, uh, with, um, the planet. We've also had the uh, alliance – where Delenn Delen and, and Garibaldi have introduced Sheridan to the rangers. Yeah. You know, the On la shock which were even way back in the prequel, you know, we saw the On la shock And so they have been, you know, they're, they're now formally under Sheridan's control. So he's got that whole shadow army that he used to help Jakar in one of the episodes by getting that message to him that secured Jakar as the leader of the, uh, of the surviving Narn. Okay. So no, you know, the, got, he's got a secret army going on now. Though
0: I'm unclear on how big these rangers are numerically. That's the part that sort of is my my concern with them. Are they really small or are they a substantial well,
1: force? Well, the the, the 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 you know rangers that we met in the in the convention center there or whatever it was, but uh, they. They are the ones in the area. If you remember, Sheridan isn't made control of the Rangers. Sinclair is the head of the Rangers, but yeah. Sheridan's made a control of the Rangers that are operating in that area. Yeah. So we, we know that there's different groups of the rangers spread throughout all over and, the place and
0: Delenn still has joint control of them though right was that
1: i think the, she just gave control to sheridan oh she gave control. i think, comp- I, okay. I think she, she just relinquished control i mean she's not a military leader or anything so i think it was just like yeah you're the you're the person that should be running this okay and uh,
0: yeah no i mean it's been very i mean so many developments this this uh this season i mean that was a very big moment and You know, I'm sure we're missing some others because there's so much stuff happened these past four episodes. It was, uh, um, it was, yeah, (laughs) Kosh is an angel, you know, Lando is damned. Uh, you know, Sheridan is in charge of the Rangers or at least on Babylon five. Uh, you know, uh, Ivanova is a latent telepath. Talia's, I guess, back on earth doing evil deeds. Um, (laughs) uh, She turned quite evil too at that last moment. She really sort of spinned on a dime on that one.
1: Yeah, she was totally just flat out evil in that scene, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I always wonder if it was a bit much, but uh, hey.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's something you kind of got to crank up. I think. I think that. Yeah, I
1: think. I think. Yeah, it is a case of me talking about how they had to condense the whole plot into one episode, which probably was meant to last a little longer. Well, I think but, they want
0: you to know this is not the same person. This is
1: a this is a totally different personality. Yes. So, yeah. Um, that they they were hammering that home. So I think I think that did, did it made sense as a TV thing.
0: And and the Night Watch is really like they're really unnerving the way that like. The, yeah, especially when they were hosting. It was actually not even that. It, it was it was a very simply sort of, almost casual scene where they're shooting the the seminar. I forget the guy's name, the head of the uh, of the Night Watch. Um, the guy who played Thank him was pretty know. good. Um, um, is his is his yeah. name Mr. Wells?
1: Wells, yeah, that's yeah. it, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wells. Wells.
0: Um, so so Mr. Wells, uh, he he's hosting a seminar and, and Zach is kind of, it still hasn't dawned on Zach what organization he belongs to. And he, and he, and, and, <laughs> and the guy's kind of like, he's not, he's sort of gently instructing him. Like, you know, people have been handing in reports and you haven't been handing in reports. Where are the reports? And he's like, you know, there was that shop owner that was, you know, and what did he say? He said like, he didn't like, like, it was something really minor, like something like somebody would say in a cab on a, on a, on a ride home or something, like you know, oh, the president, you know, really screwed over, screwed us over on the taxes. It was something like that, and yeah, and, uh, and he, was, you know, he's like, you know, sedition comes in so small packages. We gotta,
1: hmm? yeah, exactly. It's that don't you don't decide. I, I'll just tell us everything and we'll figure it out. You yeah. know, don't don't look for things you think are trouble. Just but uh, yeah, I, I got to ring up on Mister Wells too. Uh, he. To give you an idea of the perform, you know, this guy—it's a great performance, I think. But it's even better when you know he's also the guy that plays Naroon in this show. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which you wouldn't get—I like—you didn't know. It's like they're such different characters; you'd never—that's interesting. you never yeah. pick up on that. That is very Naroon, interesting. Yeah, but he's the uh, the the warrior cast guy we've we've seen mainly throughout the show. That's,
0: that's funny that they gave. Was he just so good that they were like, "We got to give this guy two roles"? Or what was it? Or is that I, like a I thematic think that was reason? probably it.
1: Oh, yeah, because okay. it, it just worked. And uh, yeah, no, he
0: he worked a lot. Like he was really good in this role. I I mistook him for another actor initially. Um, but uh, but yeah, so this was a good episode. The night Watch watches. Uh, I thought that was I thought the Night Watch was going to be a little bit silly, to be honest. When they first introduced it, I was like, ah, I've seen that, and <sighs> and to a degree, yeah. it plays up on some of the sort of cliches of it, but it does it in a cool way, and it's really yeah. adding to the story, and like, and it's and it's having an impact on Babylon Five. So it's it's it, 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 it's it's again, a lot of these things are really adding to the suspense of the show, and there's all these different things now that just. The like the moment like Bester shows up, the moment Mister Wells shows up, you know, there's 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 a lot there's a lot of different they've they've la- they've laid down a lot of very cool pieces on the board that, uh, mm-hmm. that 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 they can now sort of move around and uh and so yeah now I'm I'm uh, it's funny too because this is st- I, I mentioned at the start of this that my impression of Babylon Five was largely based on. Me being in the room when a friend of mine who was a fanatic for this show would watch it, so <laughs> I would watch episodes. Like I, you know, like if you would ask me 12 years ago, did you see Babylon Five? I would have said yes because I had seen episodes of it, but I never understood Babylon Five, and I never, I never appreciated the depth of the storytelling going on. I just, I, I appreciated it the same way like it's somebody who might have caught a few episodes of Star Trek would appreciate Star Trek, and sure, and, and, and with Star Trek, I think that's enough like I think with Star Trek is. You, you can get yeah. enough of an impression of the show based on just a few episodes or you know an episode of each season here or there but with 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 Babylon 5 you really need to to see the whole thing and uh and so part of this project was 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 my curiosity with you know what was why was this guy so into Babylon 5 <laughs> but now I'm starting to see the show that that I remember seeing you know what I mean like this must have been the point where I was experiencing that because Londo is starting yeah. to look the way that I remember him looking and, and I, you know, and I, cause I remember like having like a really strong Napoleonic sort of conquering vibe with the guy. And that's not as clear the early parts of season one and season two. And, at all. and now it's like, okay, now I know why I was, why, why I, I had, to, <laughs> you
1: know, he becomes he, that character. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it, it's it's uh, impressive art going on and yeah another thing that's interesting too for the rest of the series the only writer on the show will be Straczynski himself all four of these episodes were Straczynski and like next season is one of the well, he writes TV twenty-two season.
0: episodes next season. He writes
1: twenty-two episodes, which really? I think was pretty much unprecedented for a TV program. But it's just—I don't just,
0: think I've seen that ever. Like, I, I, I don't I,
1: think I don't think so either. I think it was a, I, exactly. I remember people at the time saying it was unprecedented. Someone, someone on the internet might be able to pull out a yeah. fact and go, "Oh no, this other show." But as far as I know, when it, it is the only time that happened at that point.
0: I mean, I've seen shows where there's like six episodes written by one guy, or you know, maybe ten, but like. Yeah. I can't think of one, and that that's really impressive. I think the only thing that maybe comes close is Larry David from Seinfeld. I know he wrote a lot of the Seinfeld episodes, and he wrote like, most true. of the ones but... that are, like, famous and well-known, but but he still didn't even then, out.
1: with sitcoms, sitcoms you have a room and it's like the person you know someone gets the writing credit but there's there's always other people throwing jokes into yeah. an episode of the sitcom it's a it's a it's a different situation oh this, you're saying this, he this, wrote this
0: purely like he didn't even have a, like a writer's room or anything
1: he or? didn't have a room he he wrote every every oh, wow. script by himself so
0: that is that is impre- <laughs> yeah i would i would think you would get exhausted uh Writing that, I think
1: he did. I think he did get exhausted. I mean, yeah, running the show and writing it completely. Is is there a
0: discernible difference in the quality? Like, do you like?
1: Oh, I don't think. I don't think it really hurts the quality. I mean, it. It. it, You definitely. I mean, if you if you've been watching the show, you kind of feel you've gotten a feel for Straczynski's writing versus like the other You know, you kind of feel it sometimes when you. That's that's one reason I've kind of brought up when other writers have worked on the show because you, you know, it's like, it's like you talk about believers, you know, how you felt the difference with believers with the writing, with all the the terminology and stuff. It's like, I feel there's, you know, you do get, you do get a stronger sense of Straczynski as a writer. It's clear that, yeah, this is one guy writing this, which, Mm. you know, at some points, you know, you kind of feel kind of quirks about his writing, but I think, I think overall it's a good thing
0: okay no i mean that's that's i'm now i'm very curious to see what the season will look like when it's all him
1: because the episodes he's written have been
0: very very good but i can also yeah. imagine the toll it takes when you're writing 22 episodes as one person and that like you said <laughs> some of your quirks as a writer might emerge that's just natural uh yeah so which is, which is good and bad i, I so. think there's something to be said for that though i kind one of the da- i i especially in america we do have sort of this machine of writers that we we assemble and it's very Uh it becomes very factory like and it's good at weeding out things that will annoy people sometimes but sometimes you want like you want to see traces of the writer in there and so yeah i i I don't know I'm, i'm i'm very interested to see how that shapes things in the in the coming episodes but uh yeah but, next season
1: is pure undiluted Babylon 5 is what you get okay
0: <laughs> so we'll see what that's like but it's getting to be 11 and uh I, my wife yeah you got tasks going. for today so I have to tend to them but um we will uh we will uh be back hopefully on Wednesday to talk about season three because I really want to discuss that and also me and Adam are going to be talking a little bit more about some game stuff we're sort of talking about like what we might do uh all we know right now is it's probably going to be we're going to try to focus more on practical things we're going to sort of take more of a game lab approach where we'll be talking about stuff that's that we're actually doing at the table rather than just kind of going on about a concept or an idea um yeah yeah, we don't we don't want to do anything that's going to be like useless to people so it might not be as frequent as the babylon 5 podcast and the the wuxia podcast but we'll be doing some gaming podcasts too and uh and yeah so uh this this wednesday babylon five season three and this friday i can't remember which wuxia movie we're doing but i know we're doing one and uh i have a feeling it's going to be uh i think it might be a golden harvest one this time i can't remember but it's going to be a little bit different than we we do tend to do Shaw brothers but uh i think we're doing that uh, possibly a golden harvest so all right we will be back on and we will talk to you later